everyone, and welcome to the roadmap from Auto Finance News since 1996, the nation's leading newsletter in automotive lending and leasing. It is Monday, November 6th, and I'm Amanda Harris, joined by Riley Wolfbauer. This is our weekly wrap on what happened in auto finance for the week ending November 3rd, 2023. This episode is sponsored by software solutions provider Innovatech. Touching on the economy, U.S. jobs grow slow by more than expected as the unemployment rate rose to a two-year high at 3.9% in October. Non-farm payrolls increased by 150,000 in October following two consecutive downward revisions in the previous months, while monthly wage growth slowed. In compliance, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is implementing a three-pronged approach to protect consumers amid elevated interest rates, with the agency planning to hire 75 additional enforcement staffers, CFPB Enforcement Director Eric Halperin said during a consumer rights conference in late October. The CFPB is going to be looking closely at how companies use consumer data and if they appropriately investigate disputes regarding data accuracy. The agency is also picking up a scrutiny of predatory lending. At the same time, the Bureau's own information security measures garnered some recommendations following the Office of Inspector General's 2023 audit of the CFPB's information security or InfoSec program. In auto finance, Carvana's receivables held for sale clocked in at $650 million in Q3, down from $1.1 billion in Q2, but up from $485 million in Q3 2022, driven by a higher volume of loan sales. Origination volume clocked in at $1.6 billion and increases 6.7% sequentially, but down 5.6% year-over-year. The retailer's higher-than-usual volume of loans held and sold during the quarter contributed to a $400 uptick in other gross profit per unit. Carvana's retail unit sold also went up about 6% sequentially, but fell 21% year-over-year. We also had our auto finance summit last week where auto lenders touched on themes including subprime financing, liquidity management, technology, and vehicle pricing, just to name a few. So subprime was a very hot topic throughout the show. Multiple people talking about, you know, just trying to weather some of the things happening in the market. One of the big things that we heard lenders talk about was this FICO migration coming out of the pandemic. So essentially, as everyone remembers, the government put quite a bit of funds and stimulus into everyone's wallets during the pandemic that transited into higher savings. It allowed people to pay off a lot of their debt. So basically, in turn, consumers had had a lot of ability to raise their credit scores. So, you know, that kind of inflation to their FICO scores allow them to move into different credit bands, allow them access to credit, maybe a little bit easier. But it also meant that those consumers were, you know, for lack of a better term, artificially inflated, right? So these were funds that were a one-time thing. You know, they were allowed to pay off debt, boost their savings. But now we are kind of far out from when those stimulus were granted to everyone. Those have either been spent. You know, now we're kind of getting back toward where consumers would normally be in their credit score. So that's something that lenders definitely are keeping a close eye on. Some of them have even had to make changes to their scorecard and to their scoring practices to kind of account for some of this migration that was missed. Uh, subprime lenders especially are impacted by this because if you've got someone with a FICO score of 
say 620, some of the concerns are that that 620 score doesn't mean the same thing as it did prior to the pandemic. So there's some concerns there. Now we did talk with FICO themselves as well, and they are basically telling me, you know, that they have they have heard this concern from lenders, and their response is essentially, you know, it's always been a rank ordering tool. FICO is not meant to be, you know, it's a moment in time in someone's consumer credit, and it is a moment in time of a measurement in their ability to repay based on that score. Um, so they are helping lenders. They are providing some resources there, kind of how to account for some of this migration, as well as how to, you know, use FICO and and lean on its ability to kind of separate out low scoring consumers from high scoring consumers and their relative likelihood, you know, to default. So they're you know, basically saying it's still a very predictive tool. It still does that and still leans into its normal goal. So we'll be looking into that issue a lot more going forward and kind of doing a deep dive here soon. So stay tuned. Um, elsewhere in the show, we also had, um, you know, valuation experts said the, you know, an auto worker strike not predicted to have a significant impact on vehicle prices or supply levels following the settlements. Much of that is due to the fact that Big Three already had so much supply ahead of the production strikes, and we're in a good place to weather those slowdowns. Um, we have more coverage on the site on that. Um, and Riley also has some more of the recap from the show. So Riley, why don't you give us some more details? Yeah, so I'll just touch on a couple of themes that we saw throughout the event and the common thing, the common things that uh, we saw a lot of lenders talk about on stage. Uh, so one of those points was we had a lot of lenders talk about liquidity, especially as cost of capital has been higher and consumer deposit volume has been down throughout 2023. Uh, for example, Fifth Third Bank. Uh, we had Craig Harder, Senior Vice President and Head of Indirect Lending at the bank, um, talk on stage, and he was talking about how they're approaching 2024 as an opportunity to increase liquidity. Um, so he was kind of talking how 2024, they're going to be careful in the way that they allocate their um, liquidity across their portfolio because poor liquidity is hard to come by, and as I already said, the cost of liquidity is high. So they're going to be careful where they deploy that and make sure that they're getting the biggest return on asset when they're looking to how they're going to lend money throughout uh, 2024. Uh, he did say that the bank is reviewing its internal scorecards and looking closely at payment to income and debt to income ratios to really manage that risk and get the most out of their portfolio. Uh, another big talking point um, and it has been throughout the industry is technolo technological advancement and AI. Uh, Chase Auto, for one, is looking at its operations and underwriting and seeing how they can implement AI to make a smoother funding process and make it a better um, process overall for the consumer, the lender, the dealer, just across the board. Um, so we had Ann Albero, uh, National Credit Director, on stage and the three talking points that she touched on for underwriting um, and automation uh, was speed, fraud and compliance, and AI for recommendations. Um, as we all know, speed to funding or time to funding is one of the most important things for lenders of getting 
that um, application approved and also you're making the consumer happy you're making the dealer happy and anytime your operations are faster you're saving more money um, same thing with fraud and compliance we've seen fraud go up across the board throughout the industry um, a couple months or last month we had a story where um, fraud i believe reached 8.9 billion dollars so we keep seeing fraud increase more and more, and there's multiple companies out there now that are leveraging AI to look at fraud, like look for um, falsified pay stubs, false place of employment, really anything. And the AI can identify that and flag it so you don't write that contract. Um, and then AI for recommendations of really just AI recommending how the lender can underwrite a deal to get the most out of that deal. Uh, <clears throat> So those are a couple of themes that we had overall. I'd say it was a great event. It's always great to connect with people in the industry that we talk about, talk with over Zoom, over the phone, and really just get that face-to-face -face time. And it's always enjoyable to me. So I thought it was a great event overall. And you can uh, check out more of our coverage on the site, and we'll have some more going this week as well. Absolutely, yes. And it was, of course, great to see you too, Riley, in person <laughs> there as well. So we get our team together, great. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Riley. It was a great summit, and we are looking forward to welcome everyone back next year with the Auto Finance Summit East 2024, which is coming up in May in Nashville. So make sure you check out the website for more information on that. And that about does it for today's episode. Thank you for joining us on the roadmap, and be sure to follow us on X, formerly known as Twitter and LinkedIn. We will see you online at autofinancenews.net and here next time.